was wrong being so majestical to offer it the show of violence, for it is as the air invulnerable, and our vain blows malicious mockery. It was about to speak when the cock crew. And then it started, like a guilty thing upon a fearful summons. I have heard the cock that is the trumpet of the morn doth with his lofty and shrill sounding throat awake the god of day and that is warning whether in sea or fire in earth or air the extravagant and erring spirit hides to his confide. It faded on the crowing of the cock. Some say that ever against that season comes wherein our Saviour's birth is celebrated the bird of dawning singeth all night long and then they say no spirit dares stir abroad. The nights are wholesome. Then no planet strike. No fairy takes. No witch hath power to charm. So hallowed and so gracious is the time. So have I heard. And do in part believe it. But look. The morn in russet mantle clad. Walks o'er the dew of yon high eastern hill. Break we our watch up, and by my advice let us impart what we have seen tonight unto young Hamlet. But upon my life, this spirit dumb to us will speak to him. Though yet of Hamlet our dear brother's death the memory be green, and that it us be fitted to bear our hearts in grief, and our whole kingdom to be contracted in one brow of woe. Yet so far hath discretion fought with nature that we, with wisest sorrow, think on him together with remembrance of ourselves. Therefore, our sometime sister, now our queen, the imperial jointress of this warlike state, have we, as twere, with a defeated joy, with one auspicious and one drooping eye, with mirth in funeral and with dirge in marriage, in equal scale, weighing delight and dole, taken to wife. Nor have we here embarred your better wisdoms, which have freely gone with this assay along. For all our thanks. Now, fellows, that you know, young Fortinbras, holding a weak supposal of our worth, or thinking by our late dear brother's death our state to be disjoint and out of frame, co-leaguing with a dream of his advantage, he hath not failed to pester us with message importing the surrender of those lands lost by his father with all bonds of law to our most valiant brother. We have here rich to Norway, uncle of young Fortinbras, who, impotent and bedrid, scarcely hears of this is nephew's purpose, to suppress his further gate herein. And we here dispatch you, good Cornelius, and you, Fortinand, our bearers of this greeting to old Norway. Farewell, and that your haste commend your duty. And that and all things will we show our duty. We doubt it nothing. Heartily farewell. And now, Laertes. What's the news with you? You told us of some suit. What is Laertes? You cannot speak of reason to the Dane and lose your voice. What wouldst thou beg, Laertes, that shall not be my offer, not thy asking? The head is not more native to the heart, the hand more instrumental to the mouth, than is the throne of Denmark to thy father. What wouldst thou have, Laertes? My dread lord, your leave and favor to return to France, from whence, though willingly, I came to Denmark to show my duty in your coronation. Yet now I must confess that duty done, my thoughts and wishes bend again toward France, and bow them to your gracious leave and power. Have you your father's leave? What says Polonius? He hath, my lord, wrung from me my slow leave by labors and petition, 
And at last, upon his will, I sealed my hard consent. I do beseech you, give him leave to go. Take thy pearl, ere his time be thine, and thy best graces spend it at thy will. But now my cousin Hamlet, and my son, a little more than kin, and less than kind. How is it that the clouds still hang on you? Not so, my lord. I'm too much in the sun. Good Hamlet, cast thy knighted color off, and let thine eye look like a friend on Denmark. Do not forever with thy veiled lids seek for thy noble father in the dust. Thou knowest his comfort. All that lives must die, passing through nature to eternity. I'm a... It is common. If it be, why seems it so particular with thee? Seems, madam, there it is. I know not seems. With not alone my inky cloak, good mother, nor customary suits of solemn black, nor windy suspiration of forced breath, no, nor the fruitful river in the eye, nor the dejected haviour of the visage, together with all forms, modes, shapes of grief that can denote me truly. These indeed... Seen for their actions that a man might play. But I have that within which passeth show. These but the trappings and the suits of woe. Tis sweet and commendable in your nature, Hamlet, to give these morning duties to your father. But you must know your father lost a father. That father lost, lost his. And the survivor bound in filial obligation for some term to do obsequious sorrow. But to persevere in obstinate condolement is a cause of impious stubbornness. It is unmanly grief. It shows a will most incorrect to heaven, a heart unfortified, a mind impatient, an understanding simple and unschooled. For what we know must be and is as common as any the most vulgar thing to sense. Why should we, in our peevish opposition, take it to heart? Why? There's a fault to heaven, a fault against the dead, a fault to nature. We pray you, throw to earth this unprevailing woe, and think of us as of a father. For let the world take note, you are the most immediate to our throne. And with no less nobility of love than that which dearest father bears his son, do I impart toward you. For your intent in going back to school in Wittenberg, it is most retrograde to our desire. And we beseech you, beg you to remain here in the cheer and comfort of our eye, our cheapest courtier, cousin, and our son. Let not thy mother lose her prayers, Hamlet. I pray thee, stay with us, go not to Wittenberg. I shall, in all my best, obey you, madam. Why, is a loving and a fair reply. Be as ourself in Denmark. Madam, come. This gentle and unforced accord of Hamlet's is smiling to my heart. In place whereof no jocund health that Denmark drinks today, but the great cannon of the clouds shall tell. And the king's rouse, the heavens shall brute again, re-speaking earthly thunder. Come, away. Oh, that this too, too solid flesh would melt for and resolve itself into a dew. Oh, that the everlasting had not fixed his cannon against self-slaughter. God, 
God, how weary, stale, flat, and unprofitable seem to me all the uses of this world. Fire upon a fire! There's an unweeded garden that grows to seed. Things rank and gross in nature possess it merely. That it should come to this, but two months dead. Nay, eh, not so much, not two. So excellent a king that was to this Hyperion to a satyr, so loving to my mother that he might not redeem the winds of heaven, visit her face too roughly. Heaven and earth must I remember. Why she would hang on him as if increase of appetite had grown by what it fed on, and yet within a month. Let me not think of frailty. Thy name is woman. A little month. Or ere those shoes were old with which she followed my poor father's body like Niobe, all tears. Why, she, even she, oh God, a beast that once discourse of reason would have mourned longer. Matter to my uncle, my father's brother, but no more like my father than I, to Hercules. Within a month. And yet the salt of most unrighteous tears had left the flashing in her galled eyes. She married. Oh, most wicked speed to post with such dexterity to incestuous sheets. It is not, nor it cannot come to good. Break my heart, for I must hold my tongue. Hail to your lordship. I'm glad to see you well. Horatio! Or I do forget myself. The same, my lord. And your poor servant, does Sir, my good friend, I've changed that name with you. But what made you from Wittenberg, Horatio? Marcellus? My good lord. I'm very glad to see you. Good evening, sir. But what in fate make you from Wittenberg? A uh, twin disposition, good my lord. I will not hear your enemy say so, nor shall you do mine ear that violence to make a truster of your own report against yourself. I know you are no truant, but what is your affair in Elsinore? We'll teach you to drink deep ere you depart. My lord, I came to see your father's funeral. <laughs> I pray you do not mock me, fellow student. I think it was to see my mother's wedding. Indeed, my lord. It followed hard upon... Thrift, thrift, Horatio. The funeral baked meats did coldly furnish forth the marriage tables. <laughs> Would I have met my dearest foe in heaven, or ever I had seen that day, Horatio? My father. He thinks I see my father. Where, my lord? In my mind's eye, Horatio. I saw him once. He was a goodly king. He was a man. Take him for all in all, I shall not look upon his like again. My lord, I think I saw him yesternight. So? Who? My lord. The king. Your father. <laughs> the king! My father! Please, in your admiration for a while, with an accent here, till I may deliver upon the witness of these gentlemen this marvel to you. For God's love, let me hear. Two nights together had these gentlemen, Marcellus and Bernardo, on their watch, in the dead vast and middle of the night, been thus encountered. A figure, like your father, armed at point exactly, cap a pay, appears before them, and with solemn march goes slow and stately by them. 
Thrice he walked by the repressed and fierce affrighted eyes within his truncheon's length. Whilst they, distilled almost to jelly with the act of fear, stand dumb and speak not to him. This to me in dreadful secrecy in part they did, and I with them the third night kept the watch. Word as they had delivered, both in time, form of the thing, each word made true and good. The apparition comes. I knew your father. These hands are not more like. Where was this? I lord upon the platform where we watched. Did you not speak to it? My lord, I did. But answer me did none. Yet once we thought it, lifted up its head, and it addresses a delusion like as it would speak. But even then the morning cock crew loud. Let the sound that shrunk in haste away and vanished from our sight. It is very strange. As I do live, my old lord, it is true. And would you think it were down on our duty to let you know this? Indeed, indeed, sirs, but this troubles me. Hold you the watch tonight? We do, my lord. Arms, say you? Arms, my lord. From top to toe? My lord, from head to foot. Then show you not his face? Oh, yes, my lord. He wore his fever up. What looked he? Frowningly. A countenance more in sorrow than an anger. Pale or red. Pale, very pale. And fixed his eyes upon him most constantly. I would have had him in there. You would have much on me. Very light. Very light. Stayed it long. While one with moderate haste might have a hundred. Longer. Not when I saw it. His beard was grizzled, no? It was as I have seen it in his life. A sable, silvered. I will watch tonight. Perchance it will walk again. I warrant it will. If it assume my noble father's person, I'll speak to it, though hell itself should gape and bid me hold my peace. But hey, gentlemen, if you have hitherto concealed this sight, let it be tenable in your silence still. And whatsoever else shall happen tonight, give it an understanding, but no tongue. I will require your lots. So fare you well. Upon the platform, just 11 and 12, I visit you. Our duty to your honor. Your honor, as mine to you. Farewell. My father's spirit in arms. All is not well. I doubt some foul play. Would the night will come? Till then, sit still, my soul. Foul deeds will rise. Oh, all the earth overwhelms them to men's eyes. My necessary bar and bar, farewell. And sister, as the winds give benefit and convoy his assistance, do not sleep, but let me hear from you. Do you doubt that? For Hamlet, and the trifling of his favor, hold it a fashion and a toy and love, a violet in the youth of primary nature, forward, not permanent, sweet, not lasting. The perfume and suppliance of the minutes, no more. No more, but so. Think it.